podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. John Warner, Michael Tripp. Royce, it seemed like it took a little while for you to get on the same page with your receivers, but did you start feeling a little better about it as the game went on? Yep, just ready for OU. Pierre Newsom, Casey, and in the back here, Bryce. Uh, seems like you guys had trouble finishing drives in that second quarter, especially. Is something just not clicking at the moment with with you in the receiving court? No, just ready for OU. Brian Kaufman, News Ten Sports. Are you ready for OU? We are ready for OU. <laughs> yeah. John, uh, well, how satisfying has this year been for you? You know, you won your job back. You made some big kicks. Uh, just ready for OU. <laughs> and the wise words of Bryce Petty. to the Bear Den. I'm Matt Workman. That man over there is Joe Goodman. Joe, it's not that I hate Christmas. It's just I think Christmas is a bully and picks on Thanksgiving and pushes it out of the way. Oh, man, we're already back to this. I feel like we had this conversation just yesterday, but it was a year ago. Yeah, I mean, November 1st rolls around and you see Christmas stuff in HEB and it's just... Let it it's breathe. fine. Let it I breathe. don't understand why people freak out. Like, just you don't have to buy it. It's just there. I just and think. To, to be honest with you, I do. I go to HEB. I don't really see much. I see lots of like gourds and Halloween themed items. Or sorry, uh, Thanksgiving themed items. There was lots of Halloween before this week, but I don't know. I've, I haven't I've, seen that much Christmas. I have stuff multiple pictures of stuff. Of Christmas stuff in HEB because I document it and I send it to my wife. It's <laughs> <laughs> your favorite pastime. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know it is. It is well documented on the bear den that you are a Thanksgiving truther. Um, and you say you don't have anything against Christmas, but I feel like you're anti-Christmas. I love Christmas. I just think we need to give Thanksgiving. It's it's. That's Dude. fine. I, I like Thanksgiving. The day after I Thanksgiving, like go nuts. War. Go nuts with I like, Christmas. I like Christmas war because Christmas also kind of ties into New Year's. It's that end of the year. And I always absolutely get, you get way more time off during the Christmas season. Like I will take off three days from work for Hall- or for Thanksgiving. I keep calling it Halloween um, for Thanksgiving. Like I'll take off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for Christmas. Like I'm going to be gone for like two weeks. Like I will take two weeks off at the end of the year. Now, I I will say this. I don't like Christmas as much as I used to because as I have gotten older, the shift has gone away from give Joe all the presents to Joe has to spend all of his money to buy everybody else presents. So like like I like buying stuff for my son. This is going to be, you know, he was he was what, eight months old last year for Christmas. This this time around, he's going to be like closer to two years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he can walk. He can say a few words. 
you know, he, you can interact with him in a much more human way now. So I'm excited about doing stuff for him for Christmas, but I've got like, God, I've got like nine nieces and nephews that I've got to buy presents for. Plus my parents, plus my in-laws, plus my sister, plus my wife's two brothers, like my, you know, growing up, like I just had to like find something to give to my parents and find something to give to my sister. And that was it. But my, my gift giving expectation has grown exponentially in the last 10 years or so of my life. Yes, that's part of it. Um, and you, you'll learn this as your, your son ages, or if you have more children that Christmas is for you and your wife going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Thanksgiving is really not a lot. I mean, there's like cooking and buying groceries, but that's about it. I and do enjoy, I will say this. I don't enjoy doing Christmas stuff pre Thanksgiving. I'm not about to go watch a Christmas movie, but that's what I'm talking. They shouldn't be on starting the day after Thanksgiving. The yes. black Friday is generally the day where we put our tree up and we decorate. Absolutely. Um, and I'm that. So do, so do we, I just, all I'm, my whole stance is, Let's let Thanksgiving have its four, you know, three weeks. It gets its yeah, it gets its time. Gets its so. three weeks before we're playing. Walking into Walmart, HB, and you're hearing like, "All I want for Christmas is you" by Mariah Carey, blasting. That's all I'm saying. Is uh, what song is it? Is it? Hold on, I have to Google this. There's a popular Christmas song that is actually a Thanksgiving song. Um. All right, bear with me. It's fine. Uh, is it Jingle Bells? Also, my thing, like Christmas, you can't really start drinking at 9 a.m. Acceptably. Thanksgiving's a little bit more relaxed in that area, at least in my house. Yeah, Jingle Bells, probably the most, like one of the most revered Christmas songs out there. Actually, a Thanksgiving song. Really? Yeah. Written for Thanksgiving. Nothing. There's no mention of Christmas in the song. That just goes to prove my point. Christmas is a bully and takes things from Thanksgiving. I think it's because. I think it's a, a lot of the times Christmas just gets associated with snow, you know, like that kind of thing. Like November, it's not like a snow. I live in Houston. It's never a snowy time of the year, yeah. but. Like you're much more likely to have a, a white day outside on December 25th than you are on like November 24th. So I think that's probably why Christmas has like, commandeered all of that. But yeah, Jingle, Jingle Bells, Bells, Thanksgiving I mean, song. There we go. That's our talk. We That's our pre-show. Yeah, we don't have Hot D this week, so we had no. to find other things to talk about. Now, there is some things in the Big 12 to talk about. There was some news. And there was some news. There was some news. A couple pieces of news. Um, the first thing, I guess, was a Sunday. I'm still kind of basking in the in the glory of, of defeating Tech on their big night. And it drops the reports. I think it was the Sports Business Journal reported that the Big 12 and ESPN and Fox have come to an agreement on an extension of their, um, their media rights agreement. A $2.28 billion deal. Six years, $2.28 billion, $380 million per year. And um, Told you it wasn't the thing I don't want to do. I don't want to 
talk about like expansion or, or back or Pac-12 because that it, a lot of times all the the dialogue I've heard you know navigates to like how does this affect a Pac-12? Here I don't really care. Um, I think it's it's great for the Big Twelve. My favorite part of this is I was I was hoping for a little bit more. It's in line with my expectations. I had been saying for a while I thought it would be between 30 and 40. I didn't think it would get to 40. My expectation was it was probably closer to 35. Um, so it's a little bit lower than I had hoped for, but it was still in my like kind of this is my area of expectation. Yeah. Um, so I'm not disappointed by it. Yeah. Uh, it's still and- an increase comparatively to what the current deal is like a 220 right um, and it's an extension on the yeah. current deal so that we're going to get paid more money actually after texas and oklahoma leave um which no one was but, saying that two years ago correct my absolute you know i'll start with the downsides the downside of this is you're still half of what the big 10 makes and close to half of what the sec makes and the sec will probably be even more than yeah. the big 10 the next time they renegotiate so that's an issue there. The plus side, I know you said you didn't want to talk about the Pac-12. I fully expect that this number will be the leverage number that most everyone uses, whether it's ESPN, Fox, Amazon, CBS, NBC, whoever it is that the Pac-12 deals with. They're not going to get paid much more than this if they get paid more. I, I think it'll yeah. be right in line with this, if not a little bit less. That's my expectation. Um, so you've kind of you've kind of put that box there. The coolest part about this to me, though, is it's a six-year extension. So if mm-hmm. I'm not incorrect, it ends either 2031 or 2032. That means we get to renegotiate again. We get to go back to market based off of how we do over the next roughly 10 years. Um, after, you know, we'll, we'll still have a few years with Texas and Oklahoma here. So we'll get to renegotiate in 2030, 2031, 2032, right around that, that time. The ACC's deal that they have right now, which pays them at about $17 million per school for tier one rights, is still not done till like 2035. So we will be going back to market with a 30, roughly a $32 million per school number before the ACC even gets off of their $17 million number. Yeah, it's that that's a the what what stood out also to me was like yeah the when we go before the ACC before the SEC yeah for our next deal so if if you can catch lightning in a bottle and have a special season let, let's say TCU god god i hope it's not this year um but let's say TCU makes a magical run this year and wins it all or in the next few years you know Baylor does or Oklahoma State does they just have a magical year and you you win a national title, you continue your dominance in basketball and continue winning there. Yeah, you're talking about a complete shift in perception of what this conference is, especially if you're getting into an expanded playoff and you start beating SEC schools, you start beating Big Ten schools, and you start getting to people care about you a little bit more. Man, I wouldn't want to be in the ACC shoes right now because they're they're absolutely being left behind. Yeah, and like Brett Yormark, who gets a Amazing credit for getting his. I mean, he's been on the job since what August first, somewhere around yes, in there. August first was his first day officially on the job, and then by October thirtieth, he has a deal. We making more money than the previous deal, so I mean, come on, it's he's done a great job. And what another thing that stood out to me was this whole thing of Fox kind of 
wasn't sure and then they kind of what what sold them on it was this year the kind of the parody in the big 12 there's interesting games up and down the roster yes and even yeah. if you take into account the the incoming members with Houston and BYU and Cincinnati UCF you see where week in and week out this is going to be compelling football compelling entertainment because Aside from everything else, college football is a huge entertainment property. And it's not like basketball is doing nothing but growing. Absolutely. And you look at it and you see on the football side, which is the, the moneymaker, so to speak, in college sports, you, you see like, well, we have good games. Every single game is a good game. We don't have the and that helps that Kansas is good this year because you don't even have that one like other conferences like half of their conference is is weak you know it's very top heavy SEC Big Ten those are both very top heavy conferences um the Big 12 you you don't have that aspect even with Texas and Oklahoma this year yeah especially this year you've got one team that's winless in conference in Iowa State and they've played everybody tight it's not like they're not Vanderbilt they're not yeah they're not Rutgers and transversely, you have one team that's undefeated, and they played everybody tight. Right. You know, <laughs> just about, except for OU. We won't talk about that. But, but so it's like, yeah, yeah so overall, like it's a, the way I look at it is, is this. It, it, we'll go back to Christmas. It's like asking for a MacBook Pro for Christmas, and you got a MacBook Air, which, like, ah, oh, man, I kind of wanted more. But at least you didn't get, like, the discount Dell that was sold for $300 on black Friday that, you know, is going to break in six months. Listen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, that's a, not a discount deal. I wish you wouldn't have brought that up because you're talking about Christmas and bond presents. My 13 year old did ask for a MacBook pro for Christmas. Are you going to get her a MacBook air? I'm not going to get her. I'm going to get her a discount Dell. <laughs> don't do that. It's not going to work. No, 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 no. Don't, don't buy her a crap computer. Buy her a nice computer. It's going to be, she doesn't get an Acer. Oh God, no, no, no! See, if you do that, you're just you're going to end up spending the same amount of money as you over would time. have. Yeah, like over time, you're going to spend. Like j- people buy a nice computer; they generally last longer. Like I've had, I had, I, I had a MacBook Air for like seven years. Great computer, work well. I have a, um, I have a Windows Surface Book now. I absolutely love it. It's what I'm recording on. It's great. There's great computers out there. Do some research. Don't buy the crap. Anyway, um, other news in the Big Twelve anyway. that we heard yesterday. Yes, so apparently there has been uh, exploratory talks with Gonzaga about joining the Big 12. And if, I'm, if I remember correctly, it was like all sports. It wasn't just, just basketball. Yeah, I don't well, I mean, all think sports that Gonzaga, Gonzaga is going to try to field yes. a football team, though. No, no, all sports that Gonzaga has. It'll be Olympic sports is, is what I'm assuming that means. Uh, well, they have a good baseball team. Okay. So, so it's m- mainly it's basketball, women's basketball, baseball. It's, it's probably in Olympic track and field. Yeah. Yeah. Gymnastics, that kind of stuff. But um, the big thing is men's basketball. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the moneymaker for Gonzaga is absolutely men's basketball. Uh, huge brand in that space. I think it'd be a big win for the conference to bring them in just because as we've heard your Mark mention a, a number of times already that, uh, he's used basketball in front of football in some of his statements before. So, you know, we've thought he might be trying to make a move where, yeah. okay, the big dogs <clears throat> exist in football. Let's stay relevant there. 
but let's become the thing in college basketball. Let's sure the perception of what the SEC is now. Let's be that in basketball. We own that. That's our thing. And that, that keeps us relevant forever. Um, yeah. And he's like, he's all about like, we're marketing. We're going to, you know, be this younger, hipper, cooler conference. And the fact that they went out to New York, which is kind of like basketball Mecca to kind of market the big 12 a couple weeks ago. With Scott, Scott Drew, Drew and Bob, Bob Huggins. Huggins. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. And going back to talking about conferences, I don't, you know, we talk about the Pac-12 a lot as it, in regards to football. If I was the Big East as regards to basketball, I'd be very concerned about the Big 12. Because not only are they considered, you know, moving on your territory, being the, the best basketball conference, the, they just signed a deal with Fox, who now has Big 12 basketball games, but Fox also has Big East basketball. So that w- I wouldn't feel great if I was Big East. Not at all. I think I think what you may be seeing is if they're going to bring Gonzaga in as a bas- like we'll call them a basketball only school because yeah. generally we talk about basketball and football in this pod. So if we brought them in as a basketball only school, it'd be weird to just have one. So it wouldn't surprise me if they went after, you know, a either another West Coast Conference school like St. Mary's um, or as you mentioned, you start poaching the Big East. You talk about Creighton, Marquette. Um, Villanova, Villanova yeah. Georgetown. There are plenty of really, really big name, known brand basketball schools out there that don't have a football program that I honestly think would, A, love to play um, at the, the bigger level of competition in the bigger arenas, on the bigger stages, at the bigger times on networks. And B, if any of those schools from the Big East or the West Coast Conference were to come to the Big 12, even if they took a, a a lesser portion of payout, like let's say even all the basketball schools, like, you know, the basketball football schools still got like a higher cut from the basketball side than the others did, you would still be making more money coming to the Big 12 than staying pat. So um, I, I, there's there's it's a no-lose situation really for those schools Um to help grow their entire athletic departments to come over and play for the big 12, if that's what's going to happen. So I would love if you're going to start playing that game where you sit there and you go, okay, the pac 12 is not breaking apart. None of the four corner schools are going to bail. We're not going to expand in the football space. Okay. Then let's poach from the West coast. Uh, let's poach from the West coast conference. Let's poach from the big East and boom. Now you've put together this basketball behemoth that owns its place as pretty much number three in the football world now and now it owns its place as number one in basketball i'll take that all day like i will take that all day as a conference i think i mean your mark has been on going on the record saying like it's he sees like any expansion would be like westward expansion to be a national conference you know coast to coast yeah, um, he said he said to the West, but if you're looking at just basketball, I feel like there is more to be had in the Midwest and the East. Yeah, so, and I'm not I'm not sold to like the Pac-12 very well could get a good deal with with like Amazon, Amazon. Like maybe Amazon overpays ESPN. I don't know how much they're really invested going forward in the yeah, the number that I have heard. And I haven't heard anything different. This was from a few months ago, but the number I heard a few months ago was that they were offered 25 per school. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was what um, I heard. One of the, I think a 24 seven blogger had had that from a source. And then 
my thing is this they they've been put all their essentially they've put all their eggs in the amazon basket or streaming you know and let's not forget they're really putting their eggs into the oregon washington basket yeah and and they've already gone on record saying they're not going to sign a grant of rights just in case if the big 10 does ever come calling for those oregon washington schools the thing is i read a there's a report yesterday that amazon's trying to get into the nba um so when are you going to play your your pac-12 games if they have thursday night football they're going to have NBA basketball during your season because it starts during football season. And why are they going to pay you a premium when they have, they've kind of gone all in with, with pro sports. Yeah. I mean, I guess Apple's still out there. Um, and I mean, we haven't talked about Turner. Um, Turner could get, Turner could do yeah. something crazy. Who knows? But no, they're ex- not going to pay you 45 million a year. Yeah, I don't expect that. I don't, I, I, I truly do not believe that the pack, um, will beat the Big 12's number. And if they do, it would be by a very negligible amount. Um, that said, I don't know if they will get so much less than us that it would move the needle for an Arizona to jump ship. But only only way I could see is if that that the final number after you take in the other revenue streams like the NCAA tournament and the playoff and bowls, because like it's been reported, like the Big 12's looking at like approaching 50 million with 50, all that correct if you can if that's substantially more than what the pac 12 would get but i don't know if it's not if it's negligible or if it's it's enough to make someone want to bolt you know i i have seen some and this is just pure guessing uh, you know people that were just sitting there that i i respect and in um listen to their opinions in that you know, rather than going after West Coast Conference or Big East schools, what the play may be here is you bring you bring Gonzaga in as a basketball only school and then you bring in Arizona as an everything school. Um, yeah. Because if if everybody else is scoffing at you, you know, if Utah is saying we're too good for you, Colorado saying we don't want to go back and Arizona State's just doing whatever Arizona State's doing. Maybe we don't even want Arizona State. Um maybe Arizona just decides to make a move on their own or something like that. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see that. If you think about it, if all it takes is one school to destabilize the PAC 12. Yeah. One, just a single one. Cause if, if Arizona leaves those other schools, you mentioned those four corner schools, they're going to start be looking around and they, you may be fielding calls about now they want to join the big 12. Cause they see the writing on the wall. Once that one decides to make that jump. Cause like at 2024, like they're a 10 team league. Mm-hmm. And we took all the the best group of five schools that were available for our new really There's really no. What they've got out there to choose from is Boise State, uh, Colorado State, San Diego State. That's and UNLV. That's another one I've heard. If they because UNLV maybe still ties them a little bit into the LA market. Um, If if Boise State, I mean Cal would probably leave and go independent, or Stanford go independent because they have such high academic. And rightfully so, standards and how they think of themselves. I love Boise State, but they're not known for academics. Correct. In my lifetime, they were like a, a junior college. So, I, and I'm not sure. I could be totally wrong on this, but I do know another thing that specifically Cal and Stanford very much care about is uh, a little bit of the political leanings of of the schools that we, would they be working with. I, I don't get the vibe Boise State is the same thing as the Bay Area. 
when it comes to the political leadings. And I think that might turn off a Cal and a Stanford as well. Yo, you I, think, I think a Cal Idaho. and a Stanford might be much more likely to, to say sure to a Colorado State or a San Diego State. Joe, you can just sit there in the year of our Lord 2022 and tell me Idaho has different political leanings than San Francisco. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to tell me? That's what I'm trying to tell you. At any rate, uh, as we've mentioned a number of times, this stuff ain't done. And no. it's going to be lots of like little bits of news like this. I will say this. Nothing is done. All we've heard is that a talk happened. The important part to me, though, it was reported by Pete Thamel. Pete is he's not the kind of reporter that's going to throw something out there unless he's got he's got something real. Um, and if he I, I don't feel like he would have reported it if it had not been either a given to him from somebody like your mark that wanted to push the needle on things or if he had it from multiple sources already that said, Hey, this is probably going to happen. Um, he's or like ESPN itself. I mean, cause they, he works for ESPN. So I mean, and we yeah, have I mean, a contract true. with the big 12. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where he's, he's on that level of reporter for me, where if it comes out of his mouth, then I think there's like some serious fire behind the smoke. Um, so it's not done. And I, I'm sure it's far from done. We may not hear anything about this for a while, but since it was reported by Pete Thamel, that, that says to me that it is more likely going to happen than not. So be on the lookout. I don't think this is the first thing that you're going to hear. I don't think it's just one school. I think we're going to hear, I think we're going to hear more about this in the coming months. Um, I think we're going to hear more news from other schools like this in the coming months. Mm -hmm. So I'm just very interested to see kind of the different hands that your mark plays. Um, but yeah, at, at, for, if nothing else, we've got an exciting, I think, year ahead of us as it pertains wow. to what happens in the Big 12. And I think, go. I, I know I said I didn't want to talk about the Pac-12, but the Gonzaga move to me is would be more of a, a egg on your face than the media rights deal that the Big 12 just signed just because that's a West Coast school that you felt you could lock in and move in if you wanted to. Well, it's like when we did our roundtable this summer, uh, when we had um, Philip from the 1012 podcast on, we had um, Travis yeah. Clones from Iowa State on, we had Tristan from Talking Tech on, um, and we did our little conference realignment roundtable. One of the things that I mentioned that I thought, hey, this is a, a move that you have, you know, in your bag to pull out is you kneecap the Pac-12's ability to expand and you retro, you know, you jump at a Colorado state, a San Diego state, a UNLV or a Boise before they can. And um, this is definitely in line with that. Like if the Pac-12 was sitting there thinking like, okay, is there some way we can make a little bit more money on the basketball side, bring somebody in. They're not going to take away a cut from the football side of things. Gonzaga's absolutely the first choice. It would have made all the sense in the world for the pack to go after them. So for yeah. us to be going after them first, it, yeah, you're definitely kneecapping them. So before we get into some butt stuff, um, there is another piece of news that came out. They had the, the first college football playoff rankings. Oh, I don't care. Did you, that wasn't good. Did you have any opinions about this? I the only thing I saw was what people talked about on Twitter. I do not care about the college football playoff rankings. I, I don't care about them 
when Baylor is in the running for them until the end of the year. And I definitely yes. don't care about them when Baylor's not like I knew Baylor wasn't going to be ranked. I didn't care. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't I do did this. See that, like, like, Thanksgiving. That, yeah. I mean, I did see that ten, uh, TCU was kind of slighted. Um, and I thought I did think it was cool. I have a couple of friends from Tennessee that are big Tennessee fans. I thought it was very cool that they were ranked number one. Um, but again, like you go back to 2014. Do you know who the very first school ever ranked number one in the college football playoff rankings was? Mississippi State. Mississippi State. We that saw Prescott. how that worked out. So that 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 is how worthless these rankings are right now. The first um, one is really worthless. Yeah. All they do is to serve the desire of the committee further yeah. down the road. So the only three loss team in the country that's ranked right now is Texas. Why are they ranked? Okay. So Alabama can have a top Texas. Yeah, exactly. It's so Alabama just for can have a top 25 win. That's the only reason. So, and that's what it'll continue to be. It's just it, it, the 15 and beyond are really teams that serve the purpose of what the committee wants to do with the top eight. And well, that's the, you know, that's like the same thing you talk about 2014. They kept remember They kept on ranking Minnesota because to essentially it seemed like a prop up TCU because that was really their only ranked win. And yeah, but then they screwed TCU. TCU won by like 52 points in the final week and we jumped them. <laughs> yeah, the, that's what I hate about it because not to litigate 2014, but it's like TCU should have been in that position from the beginning. And if you want to move them up, fine, after the fact. But it's like you're bending over backwards to rank a, a team in the top 25 just to prop up this other team, regardless it of who they are. drive one of my favorite signs that I've ever seen at game day. And it was when we had game day at McLean against Kansas State. And what I think was the last game of the year. I think that was like the yeah, clinching, the clinching the Big 12 game. The 20, yeah, in 2014. Um, but there was a sign there at game day that day that said, uh, a win over Minnesota is like a degree from TCU. It really doesn't mean that much. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think about that often and get a chuckle out of it. Uh, but yeah, that's college football playoff. I don't care. I, I, I am, I'm just ready for OU, Matt. Just ready for OU. Before we get to OU, we do have to take care of some butt stuff. Some butt stuff. Um, Joe, what I tell you? You so it wasn't we quite were talking. It wasn't I, quite I, the one. I pulled it up in the in the in the Our Daily Bear Slack uh, this week on Monday during my lunch when uh, I was on. I, I checked YouTube and there was like a a a twenty minute version of the game was on. So basically, it was just. <laughs> Every single play from the game with yeah. no commercials, no breaks, you know, like it was no just play after play after play. Um, and I went back and I rewatched it and I, I came in, I went into the, the chat and I was like, guys, it was this game was actually worse than it looked because um, we dropped three interceptions in the game, two of which were on the very first touchdown drive that tech had. So you pick off either of those. Tech, tech doesn't score their first touchdown. Um, we dropped a pick on uh, Al Walcott did. Dropped a pick. We didn't really drop. Yeah. It. it was probably about six inches, six inches behind where he needed to be to actually get it. He got his hands on it. But um, dropped a pick on their first punt drive. Um, our first drive of the game, if Blake Shapin just dives headfirst instead of slides, we get a first down on that fourth. We're probably getting at least a field goal on that. That's more points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I did the math and 
there was a legitimate path in that game for us to win 55 to three, which was your prediction. Um, and I think it was Peter who, who texted the two of us as well. And like uh, when he, after the game was over, he was listening to the radio and he was, he was thinking like he, Matt was actually probably closer in his, in his 55 to three projection than any of us gave him credit for. And to be, to be honest, you know, that was kind of like, we were, do, I was doing like a tongue in cheek, like bit because of our TCU friends or Texas tech friends. I'm sorry. Um, but the, the thing about it was aside from that, I was serious in the fact that I thought that our offensive line would just lean on them and, and sit on them and push them around. And that's what they did. Yeah. And it was both lines, our, our defensive yeah. line. Um, another thing that I really saw when I went back and watched it was a freshman quarterback. Baron Morton was, we've gotten, I, I said this on the ODB mailbag this week um, around uh, this defense has gotten smarter because mm-hmm. we, we played a lot of, we played a lot of youth and Aranda likes to do things to confuse quarterbacks. He likes to disguise coverages, show blitz, pull out stuff like that. Um, and that's really difficult to do when you have an experience. So every single rep, every single game makes that kind of stuff easier for a coach to call. This was our eighth game of the season. These guys are much are much better off mentally and in their understanding of the defense and what to do without having to think about it than they were in say week three or even week four or five. Um, so we went into this and you know rewatching this game, we did a lot of stuff that really confused Baron Morton. I did also notice that a lot of the passing plays that they were calling when I when I did my rewatch, they seemed very simple. I don't think they had the full Zach Keatley um, uh, playbook open for him. No, they don't. So you combine all of that, and he was a deer in the headlights. And you know, I question whether whether he was quite ready to play against a. Uh, you know, it was kind of like Return of the Jedi. Like it's a fully functioning Death Star. You know, like yeah. that's that's kind of what he ran into right there. And yeah, you're right. And I think he he, he has a huge arm he's going to be really good um it's just that he would get confused early and then you can't really recover because he's now he's in his head because he yeah, he got more early. comfortable i yeah. think they told him i think they told him in the second half like hey don't be afraid to use your legs and i think he did much better um yeah. but i i questioned some of the choices that joey mcguire made with using um uh, the three quarterbacks that he used um, Tyler shook clearly was not ready to be back out there. His, his pick six that he threw in the fourth um, you go back and watch that play. He stared the receiver down. He didn't look at anybody else. He took the ball and he just well, stared at the guy. Plus and the then, throw, you know, yeah, that's your first airman. throw. You're going to throw across the oh. field to the opposite sideline from where you're at. And it was a, and there was no power behind it. It took an yeah. hour to get there. Um, yeah. So I question whether he was like fully ready to be back in the game yet. Um, so overall, so much more than I expected. I legitimately did expect around a 10 point win for us. I, I that wasn't tongue in cheek for me when I was saying that I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried that this game didn't make me nervous because they were so hyped up about it. But I've said this multiple times this year against BYU and against West Virginia, and I got bit by it. I still believed it, though, was that. We're just a flat out better football team. And if we just go in and mm-hmm. we don't beat ourselves, then then that's a team that you should go beat by 10 points. And we went in and we won by 28. Um, yeah. It was 
thankfully a 28 point win because I, I know for a fact that my weekend, uh, my Sunday would have been hell because I cannot imagine the hundreds of Texas tech Twitter accounts that had bookmarked all the things that I had said on Twitter all week. Um, and they were coming at me all week, like crazy as it was. And I mean, I, I mentioned that, you know, I've pissed off Iowa state Twitter before, but that was the first time in my life that like every time I looked at my phone, I had 20 notifications from Twitter. Um, and I'm not really the kind of person that mutes threads or blocks people. Like I don't care. Um, cause I, I just don't normally get that much engagement on Twitter, but, um, it was so much, man. I, I had so many people in my mentions. I had so many people. Bro, you started me. early, though. You were starting this like Monday morning. Oh yeah, I got it. It's my week, man. And I, this I is like seven a.m. Monday morning. I, I'm getting like I'm seeing tweets. And I, I like, got I I riled up the hornet's nest immediately because the first thing I tweeted was the uh, the Virginia winning the national championship. See, like Tech. that first one. That's like that. That was artwork. Your first to like that of the them losing the national championship was just that was that was the official declaration of war. Yeah, that was a great one. But um, but yeah, it's so glad we won. Yes. <laughs> they didn't come. They didn't come after me hard. Speaking to what like what you said, like it seems like, and I've heard like Travis Roder and they've talked about this on his podcast where it seemed like Aranda and Dave Roberts were protecting the secondary or the corners. And, and how they had him play until they had a full grasp to learn the, the proper, you know, everything about the defense, how they want you to play. And it seems like in this game, they were playing more man coverage and just gave them a little bit more responsibility in the, in the uh, coverage game. Cause there's at one point in the game where I don't know, I guess it was Rocky Boyman was saying like, like there's no one, no one's open. Like he hasn't, Morton had nowhere to throw the ball. That's why yeah, he gets six sacks. Yeah, the sacks. We, the, I've seen a lot of tech fans talk about their talk about how they have like a paper offensive line. Multiple of those sacks and pressures were coverage. And yes, I can tell you right now, there was I, I know of at least two sacks where I saw on the rewatch where there, there were receivers that just like ran into each other. Um, so the, the receivers did not do anything to help Baron Morton out. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I think it's a credit to what this coaching staff has done to bring these guys up. And we've seen like snacks Johnson um, on Twitter talking about oh, yeah. like, yeah, keep talking, like keep doubting me, like keep Which I love it. I love everything and, about that. And I, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. I think this team's getting better and better. Um, I've seen some people talk about how they feel like this team has a 2012 vibe to it, where you're coming off of a Heisman trophy win Um you know, all this stuff, there's all this hype, you're replacing yeah. a ton of talent. You start, you start the season off slow, but then by the time you get to the second half and really the, the, the final third of the year, you're firing on all cylinders enough to beat the number one team in the country. When we beat, we blew Kansas state out when they were number one. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree. Only there I was a team this vibes. year in the big 12 that was up highly ranked that is playing at Baylor late in the season. With 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 a with a quarterback who thinks he can win the Heisman Trophy, that's never yeah. happened before. Yeah, I mean that we've we've beaten a team like that. That wears purple. Yeah, never never happened before. <laughs> and winning the biggest thing to me before before we move on, um, the biggest thing to me was it put us in as best of the driver's seat that we have been in 
mm-hmm. since the Oklahoma State loss. Um, we are now the, the there is only one thing that we don't control, and that's Oklahoma State's record. If we win out and Oklahoma State loses just one more game on their schedule, just a single game, and Spencer Sanders is hurt, then we go to Arlington. That's it. That's the only team you have to root against. You can root for, root against anybody. It doesn't matter because we have all of the teams that are ahead of us in the in the standings. They're all in front of us. And everybody has one loss except for TCU. So you beat Texas. They've got more losses than you, and you've got the head-to-head. You beat Kansas State, and they that's the only other game that they lose all year. Guess what? You're tied with them, and you have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, so... You have everything in front of you. you. Go into Oklahoma this weekend and you pull that game out. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. You've got two home games against basically the first and second place teams in the conference in a row. You go and you win those games, then you beat Texas. As long as Oklahoma State wins one game, you're back in Arlington for a shot to bring the trophy back to Waco. Yeah. And after the West Virginia loss, when the sky was falling for all the fans around this program, and I had people tweeting at me saying, Show me the wins. How do we get bowl eligible? We're not going to be bowl eligible. Well, where are you now? Like, that's all I got to say. Just calm down. Let the let the artist finish the painting. Don't judge it before. Yeah, I think going by last year and what we've seen so far this year, it seems like the whole Dave Aranda experience is we're going to build up to the end of the year. We're going to, you know, you're not going to be fully ingrained into everything we're doing on defense especially with having young players even last year you know they started we were just winning those close games that we lost this year mm-hmm. but you started slower and then by the end of the you know this time last year you're a well-oiled machine and just playing lights out and it's kind of it looks like based just solely on like the kansas and texas tech game after we got through that mid part of the year of a switch was flipped and they're playing completely different than they did against West Virginia or BYU. So uh, any other, any other games in the big 12 last week that really stuck out to you? Were you surprised well, by anything, by any of the results? Uh, you did mention Oklahoma state and losses. Uh, they had a big loss. They did. They lost 48 to nothing. To Kansas State, which apparently uh, Oklahoma State didn't practice or something of that nature because Gunny said they changed something out of didn't practice. And, yeah, like, did they not have practice? Is that what – because I know they're banged up. Like, they're, they have a lot of injuries at critical positions, and I think the quarterback is the most critical for them. And you can tell, like – Spencer Sanders isn't hundred percent, isn't close to hundred percent. And that's, that's, that room is pretty shallow. Yeah. They, they are, they are not a deep team by any means. So, and I see you saw that, you know, in all its glory on Saturday to where that game was over in the first quarter. Like it was done. It was done. Yeah. I think Kansas State went up maybe the first quarter something like 28 to nothing. I was like, it was over at that point. Like they never looked back. I'm pretty sure my picks last week were perfect too, because I I think I picked three road wins and one of them was not, I didn't, I don't think I picked, I think I picked Kansas state, 
think I picked Oklahoma to win on the road, TCU to win on the road, and Baylor to win on the road. And all those things did happen. It was the road week. Yeah. And speaking of TCU, they did pull out a win. You know, they, they, in the, uh, it was a closer game than 10 point victory because I think they scored late. But they're still, they're doing the same thing they always do. You know, they're, they're getting down early or playing close early and then pulling away late. You know, eventually that it's, it's going to have to get them because you're going to come up with someone who's not going to let you do that. Maybe it's I mean, fine it might against just West keep Virginia you and never Kansas know. and Kansas State, who is down to their like third quarterback when you played them. But you're gonna when you get up like I'll I'll say it like when you play Texas in a few weeks, uh, you can't. I don't think you can do that and and think you're gonna come out with a victory. But they came out with a no. Victory. It's not like Texas has ever given up a second half lead before, sir. <laughs> Don't come at me with your logic and facts. All right. Well, we had a fun week in the Big 12. We have a fun week coming up in the Big 12 as well. Before we move on, I want you're friendly and in with Uh Iowa State folks. Okay. Talk to me. What happened? What do I have to to defend now? You don't have to defend anything. Uh, Please talk to me about Iowa State. How can Iowa State head coach go out there and say their special teams they're good on special teams whenever they consistently cost games because of special teams. Like this I mean, is like, I don't know. It's like his, it's like his brand. Now it's not even like a, a quirk. It's like, this is what he does. Like they just have poor special teams. They don't even have a special teams, like coach, someone who's dedicated to that. They just kind of wing it. Man. I have no idea what's wrong with that team. It, it will. If they lose this week, uh, and we'll get to their game of who they're playing. Like this is, this might be their only shot of winning a Big Twelve game this year. And I thought they would have like a, a rebuilding year for sure. I did not think they. Would I didn't think it was going to be this. Be like winless. I, I fully thought like oh, it's probably like a six and six, seven and five team in week ten, not have a conference win. Yeah. So yeah, um, I do know this. It's the old week- adage of like. If you could beat Iowa but lose every other game, would you would you pick that? Well, guess what? You're gonna get your chance. <laughs> All right, Joe. Let's move on to this week. This is week ten. Moving fast down the road, uh, we have a full slate of games. So there's no more off weeks, no more buys, whatever you want to call them. Everyone's playing. Everyone this week. Um, so we're gonna start off the big noon kickoff. Texas Tech traveling to TCU to take on the undefeated Horned Frogs, who are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you got on this game? Oh, do I go with my head or my heart? That's the question. I'm, I'm going with my head. TCU covers. I, I want to be the guy that comes in and predicts that Joey gets this team hyped up after a rough loss. And they come in and they, you know, they they get hyped up over all of the ticket stuff that's good. For those of you that don't know, like TCU has been preventing Texas Tech from from buying tickets to this game. Um, they're really trying to keep tech fans out because there's a huge amount of people in the DFW area that are tech alums. Yeah. Um, and Texas Tech will travel in that area. They'll go to Austin. They'll go to Dallas. Um, and they'll make that place look red and black. And so Jeremiah Donati, the um, 
the athletic director for TCU has done everything in his power to prevent people from buying tickets to this game, doing stuff along the lines of you have to buy many plant, like multiple games to even buy uh, the Texas tech game um, blacklisting anybody that has a Texas tech area code in their phone number or a zip code. You have to have like their- a, like a, Almost like a, a TCU. At one point, you had to have like a TCU like email address. Or yes, here's the thing. This is not uncommon in sports. It's just tech has gotten very, very mad about it, and I get why they are. But this happens in pro sports too. Um, it happens all the time. You, I mean, how happened you to Texas Europe? Tech before last year in basketball too? Yeah, yeah. Texas did it to him last year. Um, you go to Europe. They don't sell to, you know, it's like if you want to go watch a European football game, it's hard to get a single game ticket to um, an away game. And they're like super strict on who shows up in their stadium. Like this is not an uncommon practice. Um, does that make it less any less funny or any less that it looks like TCU scared of text fans? It does not whatsoever. Well, and I it was compounded I fully endorse like, laughing at it when you have like a TCU staffer going on and like going on a rant. Right. Yeah. When you, yeah. When you've got that and which caused the whole cactus emoji thing and everything that they've had. Um, I want to be the guy that says all of that put together means Texas tech goes into Fort worth and gets a big win. I just don't see it. I think TCU is too powerful on offense. Um, I think this will be a high scoring game. The over under is 69. I can absolutely see, see both teams. Yeah. Nice. I can absolutely see both teams scoring 35 points. Um, I think this game is going to be probably along the lines of like 45, 34, something like that. TCU wins it. Um, Tech scores a bunch, uh, but TCU just outscores them. And I I think that's, that's the way I'm looking at this. TCU covers. What do you think? Joe, I only got two words for you. Let's go. Texas Tech, baby. Texas Tech wins a straight up win. All right. What's your right. what's your score? What do you what do you think? Um, I think I'm agree with you. I think it'll be high scoring. I think this is going to be like Texas Tech is going to be after last week. They're going to be motivated to put up some points with everything like everything you talked about going on with the game, compounded by what happened to Texas Tech last week at home, and then the whole like ticket snafu and all that, and all the like John that went on with that earlier in the season. I think they're going to be fired up for this game and they're going to have a good amount of fans in the stands. So I think it's going to be a, uh, a very fun game to watch, but I agree. I think it's going to probably, it's going to be, I'm, I would take the over. And I just think Texas tech is going to pull it out. Eventually. Like I've, I've talked about earlier. I think this is the game where you can't go down big to Texas tech because they're going to keep on trying to score points. They're not going to be like Baylor and, you know, we're just going to run it out and try to get out of here with the win. They're going to keep on trying to score points. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I got, I got TCU, you got tech, um, that game. Uh, I don't think we mentioned it. It's, it's, it's an 11 a.m. game on big boy Fox. Yeah. Um, next That's up on the big, big 12 game. slate is two 30 PM on FS one. The number 18 ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys head into David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence, Kansas, to face the mighty Kansas Jayhawks, who have once again uh, have got the opportunity to end their 14 year bowlist streak, win their sixth game of the year, become bowl eligible. Also, win their first uh, win their first game against a ranked team. And I want to say over 5000 days is what I saw earlier. It's been a very long time since they've beaten a ranked a lot of team. Days. 
second longest streak in the country behind Rutgers since beating a ranked team. Um, and as we mentioned, there is question marks around whether Spencer Sanders will play this game um, because he he's dealing with some injuries. So Kansas is at home. Oklahoma State's not at full strength. They're coming off a 48 to nothing loss. Still, the line, Matt, even. Oh, no. An even line. It's a wild. All right. Um, so I think Spencer Sanders is hurt. I don't even know if he's going to play. And if he does, I don't know how effective he's going to be. There also is rumors that um, rumor is Jalen Dan is going to play back from his injury. So uh, it's even, man. I'm. I think. I think Kansas wins this game. Kansas wins. Okay. Um, I don't. I'm picking against Kansas. I think. I think Oklahoma State's going to go in there. I think. I think Kansas is. Uh, I think their their fun little run is over. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they lose out. I, I think, again, what I, what I talked about was that made them kind of special earlier in the year was that they started believing that they could win and they were like shaking off that like loser mentality kind of thing. But now they're losing and it's so yeah, much easier for that. <laughs> it's so much easier for that to creep back in. Like we won five in a row and now we've lost. Oh no, what's happening? We lost three in a row. It's happening again. Oh, are we back to what we used to be like that stuff in your head? I, there's a lot of stuff going on around Oklahoma state too. I don't think Oklahoma state's going to win out. I think there's another loss or two in their schedule, but um, I don't think it's this one. I think Oklahoma state goes into Lawrence and, and grabs himself a nice little victory. All right. Next up on the list. At Look at two- us, man. We're, we're now like we normally are just so in yeah. sync. I know we're going, we're going opposite like the first two games. Also at two thirty on ESPN plus West Virginia travels to Ames to take on Iowa state. Iowa state is a seven point favorite. This is like the battle for the bottom of the big 12. What yeah, do you whoever got? wins, whoever loses this game is pretty much guaranteed to be the last place school. Yeah. I mean, and like West Virginia has their, has a conference win, you know, they beat Baylor, uh, Iowa state still looking for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know what, how much West Virginia has left in it on the, they've not been great on the road. It's, this is an intriguing one. It's, it's all like, I feel like Neil Brown has a lot of pressure on him too. Coaches are getting like, this is coach firing season is getting hotter and hotter. He's lasted longer than I predicted he would. Um, but what's the line in this one again, Matt? I you by seven. Seven points at home. Yeah. I I am gonna take an Iowa State win, but a West Virginia cover. Okay. So it's like a Iowa State wins by like four points. Okay. Keeping with the same, I'm gonna take uh, Iowa State to win by seven. Okay. You're taking you're taking the cover. Yep. I think they uh I'm sorry, Iowa State. That means you just you're going 0 and 6. <laughs> oh, two, Joe. All right. <laughs> What's the last um, the, the, the final next to last? Yeah, the final non-actual game that everybody really cares about in the Big 12 game. Uh six o'clock, the latest game of the day on Saturday for the Big 12, also on FS1. 
Um, the University of Texas Longhorns head to Manhattan, Kansas and Bill Snyder Family Stadium to face off, uh, so to say, the number 24 Texas Longhorns against mm-hmm. the number 13 Kansas State Wildcats. Um, Kansas State, six and two overall, four and one in the Big 12, second place. Um, Texas, five and three, three and two in the Big 12, same identical record that Baylor has. Um, Texas, though, on the road, lower ranked, two and a half point favorite in this game. What what do you make of that? I think that this is the type of game that Texas wins. Right? Kansas State had a big performance previous week, um, a banged up Oklahoma State team. I just think, like we've talked about before, Texas plays up to opponents. Now, they may not consider Kansas State being like one of their a prime, a premier opponent, but they are higher ranked. And they did just come off a huge win of a team that beat Texas. So this seems to be the spot to me that where Texas comes out and looks like it's a top 10 team and gets the win. They're favored by two and a half. Um, so, yeah, I think Texas actually covers the two and a half, defeats Kansas State. All right. Um, if you have a child in the car, turn your volume down for two seconds starting right now. Man, fuck Texas. Um, Texas ain't winning this game. Yeah. It, no about. matter who plays quarterback for Kansas State this weekend, Texas is Texas is fraudulent. They stink. They had one good game where they got up and they got hyped to play against Alabama. Alabama had the worst game that they've played all year, um, even including the Tennessee game. Alabama also just they, they played like garbage. Um, and Alabama's not the Alabama of old this year either. I think there's a lot of factors there, but yeah. we're basing this all off of man. Texas had a close loss to Alabama. They lost the game. Guess what? They've also lost to Oklahoma state. Like you mentioned that lost 48 to nothing to this Kansas state team. If Kansas state hadn't have just like pooped their pants against Tulane and, and dropped that one earlier in the year, um, we'd be talking about this team competing for a playoff but, spot but they did that's a that you have to take that into consideration we, we do have to take that into account but what else have they showed us they 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 blew the hell out of oklahoma worse than texas did didn't they? with dylan that, gabriel yeah we yeah, with dylan gabriel um on the road it wasn't at a neutral site it was in norman so everything that i look at between these two teams resumes i think kansas state's the better football team i think kansas state's probably better coached i think kansas state's probably better prepared to make second half adjustments this may be one of those games where it's close until we get to halftime and then kansas state runs away with it i think it's absolutely ridiculous that texas is favored by a field goal in this game on the road in what is going to be a very tough place to play at bill snyder stadium everything that i see points towards kansas state winning this one straight up so i'm taking kansas state to win this game all right Finally, game of the week. Game of the week. Baylor travels to Norman to take on Oklahoma. Both teams are five and three. This game is at 2 p.m. on ESPN Plus, and OU is a three and a half point favorite. That line has moved up and down, and uh, yeah. it, was, it was either yesterday or the day before. Um, uh, I was talking to Peter and he showed me that uh, I think it was like something like 90% of the money was on Baylor. Lots of, lots of big betting going on in this game on the Baylor side of things, which worries me, but 
Um, yeah, both these teams, they have the same overall record, but Baylor is a game ahead of them in the standings, Oklahoma at two and three Baylor at three and two. This really is a, this is a must win. This is, um, you know, the second road game in a row for you. Um, it's not going to be the same Memorial stadium that you experience in Norman when they're good, um, these the fan base is a little bit more lethargic this year, a little bit more apathetic as things have gone. They're not used to losing three games. Um, this podcast, uh, in fact, predicted Oklahoma to go eight and four on the year. So why not go ahead and give them that fourth loss yeah, early? Um, Oklahoma, like you said, three and a half point favorite. Uh, Baylor, Baylor is a better coach football team right now with similar talent, and um, the huge key for me on this is do you know who the offensive coordinator is for the university of Oklahoma? Uh, that would be one uh, Jeff Levy. Do you know where Jeff Levy was the offensive coordinator last year? I believe he came from the university of Mississippi. Ole Miss. Do you know who Ole Miss played in their bowl game last year? Was that Baylor? That was Baylor. How many points did Ole Miss score? Oh, they were very high octane offense last year. So I'm sure it was a lot, but I'm pretty sure it was seven, seven total points. Now, when you're talking about Ole Miss and compared to Oklahoma and the two offenses, um, uh, does Oklahoma have another offensive mastermind in Lane Kiffin at the head coach? No, it's it's a Brent Venables. Ah, I see. And is Brent Venables like a widely considered like coach guru that has tons of head coaching experience? Oh, no, this is his first head coaching job. Oh, it's his first head coaching job. Great. Um, And then all those statistics that uh, Ole Miss put up last year. Do they have uh, Matt Corral at quarterback? No, they have Dylan Gabriel. Oh, that's right. A guy that had to transfer from a group of five school. Um, He's also injury prone. Yeah, who's who's highly injury prone. and Baylor's coming off probably its best defensive performance of the season. I think they're going to continue to build on that. We heard earlier in the year that they kind of rested on their laurels a little bit after that Ames win. Kind of thought that they were a little bit too big for their britches, getting excited about that. I don't see that happening again, especially because it was identified by the coaches. One of the things that we have talked about at length that we've heard from Dave Aranda in press conferences throughout the season when things have been down is competitive maturity, um, not looking ahead, not resting on things when you do well. I think this team is hungry. I think they realize that they have things in front of them. They just went in and showed what they're capable of in a tough environment in Lubbock on a big day in Lubbock, a night game in Lubbock. This is a day game, 2 p.m. It's an ESPN plus game. I don't think Oklahoma fans really care about this game. Baylor's going to go in and absolutely win this game. I'm predicting a 17-point win by Baylor. So, Joe, do you know who has the um, the number one rushing defense in the Big 12? Uh, that would be is that the Baylor Bears? That is the Baylor Bears. And Interesting. Just out of the, you know, just on top of your head, do you know who has the worst rushing defense in the Big 12? Uh, that would be the Oklahoma Sooners. That's the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah. Um, so. I think that's really where the story lies. I think that Baylor's going to be able to shut down their run. Oklahoma is the third best rushing team so far this year in the Big 12. Baylor's the fourth. The difference is Oklahoma's defensive on that side is so poor. I think you're going to, the, the game plan is going to be largely the same as it was against Texas Tech. We're going to use our offensive line, who's much improved with Khalil Keith, to control the ball, 
run the ball down your throat, put these long methodical drives together. And we're just going to run all over you because you can't stop the run. And that's one thing that we do. Well, as you do, the difference is Baylor actually is good at stopping the run as well. So, yeah, I just think this is going to be one of those games. I think it was either Cam or or Drake on the uh, Locked on Baylor podcast. They said they thought this is going to be a lot like the 2014 game, only except for them playing, you know, 10 yards off of our, our receivers and we're just going down the field throwing five-yard outs the whole way that – we're going to just going to run the ball at five yards at a clip and just march down the field, march down the field, take seven, eight, nine minutes off the clock and, and score touchdowns. And it's just going to be, we're not going to be able to, you're not going to have your offense on the field. So you're not gonna be able to put up points or use Dylan Gabriel, how you should be used. And as Baylor fans, we know how that offense works. Yeah, it's it's going to look like what we saw at Tech, right? When we're yeah, going to control absolutely. the ball for six minutes on a drive, we're going to give it back to them after we score. They're going to run 40 seconds off the clock and give it right back to us. And by the time we get halfway through the third quarter, their defense is going to be extremely gassed. And Richard Reese is going to run for 80 yards in the second half. Yeah, I mean, Khalil Keith makes such a... I, I was kind of skeptical of like how one person could make such a difference in the offense. He's a road grader. Line. He is a road grader. But with him on, you know, starting and playing significant snaps. So he, he played what? Like he didn't play. He didn't start or didn't. He want to play. He played some snaps against Kansas and you saw the difference. And then I think in Texas Tech, he, he played most of the snaps and you saw what we did against them. I think him in the lineup just changes that offensive line completely. He's what, what Kirk Herbstreet way back in the day, like if you're an OG game day listener, he's he's what Kirk Herbstreet would have used to have called the hog mollies. Like he's one of them hog mollies. Yeah. And so, yeah, so exactly. I think it's going to be kind of the same game plan with Texas Tech is we're just going to sit on you and we're going to have the ball for 40 minutes. Ah, damn. I love it, Matt. And so – Big Baylor win. Get ready for five and four, Oklahoma. And there's, I have a sinking feeling that uh, their crowd isn't going to be that. It's not intimidating because uh, our friend uh, David Finkhauser said, like, you can get like $40 tickets in the lower bowl. Yeah, they, it's not. They are, they are apathetic about this year. I think, and I get it. They're used to much more. And I, I will say this they're not. Um, sky is falling as a group They're They're much more from the Oklahoma group that I follow on Twitter, at least, which I know is just a bubble of their fans. But from what I can see, it's very much like a, okay, Hey, like realistically, we all knew in the back of our heads that this wasn't going to be a normal Oklahoma year. It's a, it's worse than we expected it, but let's give Venable some time kind of thing, but they are not at all excited about what, what they have in front of them. There's uh, at this point, you've got three losses. You're, you're by all accounts out of the conference championship race already. You're not going to, you're, you're nowhere near competing for a playoff. You're not competing whatsoever for a new year six bowl. Um, so like, they're not excited about doing everything they can to make it to the Alamo bowl. Like that, that's just not in their blood. So they, they just don't care anymore. Yeah. It's um, I think it's going to be like, I have a good, I mean, I had a good feeling about Texas tech. I feel the same way about this game. 
I agree. So, like, I, I, yeah, I, I think this is, I think this is one of those kind of games. I think you're going to see another thing. It'll, it'll be like Baylor by, you know, 14 type of thing or more. But that, that's where I'm sitting at right now. All right, Joe, we don't have a uh, hot D to talk about anymore. It's uh, wrapped up, but. And we're saving Andor until the series, until the season is done. We're going to do a blowout episode with Peter Pope. We have already spoken to him. He has agreed to it. So y'all get excited about that. When Andor is closed, we're just going to do one big blowout episode for Andor. So are you, are you caught up with Andor or are you still like you're catching up? I am fully caught up with Andor. It's so good. I know we're not going to go deep into it, but. Other, um, is there anything else you're watching besides Andor is really the only thing other than cultural that I'm watching right now? I so I'm watching baseball, of course. My team is yeah. in the World Series. Um, so that that's been taking up a lot of my time is thinking, watching that. Uh, but one thing I have kind of started on the side is rewatching Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, I saw the trailer drop for the new season. Yeah, so the new season's coming out of that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch. I think it's two seasons. I think this is about to be season three. Um, so I, I've gone back and I, I've gotten through a couple episodes of season one. I'm going to rewatch that before. See, this is why we do a podcast because, like, I absolutely love like those Tom Clancy novels, the whole yeah. Jack Ryan universe. And I, I like the show as well. And I saw that trailer drop, but I've been waiting for this since the last season. I'm worried about this upcoming season for it, though. It looks like. It looks like it's almost become too like he's too much super spy Jack Ryan now where like what I, what's so great about Jack Ryan and those stories is that he's often just like, oh, why do I have to be here doing this? I'm just an analyst. Um, and that's really what I loved about season one of the Amazon show is like he's absolutely a fish out of water. Season two, he's still kind of a fish out of water, but he knows what he's doing more. Um, so I'm not going to judge it yet. I, I will still watch it and I will still most likely enjoy it. I think John Krasinski does a great job as him. The best um, of Jack Ryan is like, I'm just off doing this thing. I've come across this information. No one else is trying to do anything to stop it. I have to stop it. You know, that type of like, I think that's the story of I season myself three based off what I've seen on the trailer. That I'm the only one that can stop because everyone else is like incompetent. Right. Everybody else has their head up their ass. So yeah, I, w- I was excited about that. So I am. Looking forward to that. Have you and, started watching Rings of Power yet? No. You dirty dog. I'll start, I'm going to start. I'm going to watch it tonight. I don't think there, right. there's a there's UTEP, although UTEP plays Rice. So I don't know. I may have to. I mean, you kind of have to watch UTEP Rice. If you don't have a World Series game to watch, then you have to I watch mean, UTEP Rice. But those uh, are the rules. Andor is just so good. I just every. I, I mean, every episode is just so good. Or actually, I take that back. I don't think I, I haven't. There was an episode, what, yesterday? Yeah, it dropped. The yeah, I haven't one seen that one yet, so I, I, I'm not fully caught up. It's just so good, though. I mean, I just can't get over it. Everyone watch Andor. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's... It, it, you don't even have to like Star Wars to watch Andor. No, you don't even have to have ever seen Star Wars. Are there any movies coming out that you're excited about? We got the new Black Panther coming out next Friday. Yep. So, you know me, I'm a like Marvel shield. So I'm, I'm super excited for that. Um, There's one I'm very much excited to see that is probably not on most people's radar. Trying to think. Go for it. I can't think. It's it's Banshees of Inisherin. You're right. I don't know what that is. So have you ever seen the movie In Bruges? Yes. Okay. With, With Colin, Colin Farrell, Farrell Brandon yeah. Gleason. Not Colin, Colin Farrell? 
Yeah, Colin yes. Farrell. Um, and Brendan Gleeson. That's yes. also directed by Martin McDonough, Irish director. Um, so Banshees of Anishirin, same kind of thing. It's Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, directed by Martin McDonough. Um, and it's essentially, it's a, so I'm excited about it just because I like that group of three and Bruges is one of my favorite movies. Adore that movie. I need to watch that um, again. That is such a good movie. Yeah. It's dark. I love dark comedies that are like very dry and kind of slow. Like, and that's what this is. And, um, Colin Farrell doing that comedy is just, you can't beat it. And I'll send you the trailer for it after this, but essentially the, the story of the movie is Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell have been best friends for life. And then out of nowhere, one day, Brendan Gleeson just decides he doesn't like Colin Farrell anymore. And they live in this like very small Irish community where they can't not run into each other. So the movie is kind of about like the whole community and Colin Farrell trying to figure out why in the world Brendan Gleeson just doesn't like Colin Farrell anymore. And there you go. There's your Star Wars tie in. Brendan Gleeson is the father of Donald Gleeson, who is General Hux in Star Wars. Did not know that. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I just know him as Mad Eye Moody in the Harry <laughs> Potter universe. Um, that's the tie in there. So he is. Uh, and he Colin Farrell is also in the Harry Potter universe because he was uh, he was in um, Fantastic Beasts. There you go. Yeah, that's pretty much all I'm watching. I'm kind of locked in on Andor and at this point, college football. Um, I'm going to watch Rings of Power. Yeah, you'll get there. It's fine. It's I'll not going there. anywhere. But yeah. but watch it. Watch it on a uh what was it just Tuesdays now that we don't have football? No, there's football. There's every there's football every day for like the next like 20 days. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we've hit that because we have Maction started. Oh, so it's like yeah, Maction started Tuesday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no day until like Thanksgiving that doesn't have football. My wife's least favorite time of the year. So it's like, yeah, my wife is like, it's Tuesday and I'm watching like Buffalo play, and she's thrilled about that yeah i'm watching miami of ohio versus marshall what are you doing <laughs> all right that's all i got joe anything else that's it for me matt where can the people find you find me on twitter for now at matt <laughs> underscore workman and you can find the podcast at the bear Den pod how at about you joe pod. Uh, you can find the podcast on thebeardandpod.com as well. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Um, you can also find me on our daily bears to do the, the write-ups after the football games, a little bit of other stuff here and there and uh, hosting the watch parties that we have. I was going to say, are y'all doing like, are we doing a playback watch party? We will be doing a playback watch party this week. So at 2 p.m., um, which is a weird time on ESPN plus Oklahoma is in the dirt on ESPN plus. Actually, since we're on ESPN Plus, I do need to double check that we can show that because that may be different since it's not broadcast television, and I don't know how that works. So I have to get with Deontay on. Okay. So we will we will announce by tomorrow if we are if 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 we're doing it. So, but yeah, I I would plan on watching it with us. All right. Well, until next time. Till next time. Second bears at regular speed. Sports Social Podcast Network.